Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you all here together today. What a blessing, man. Uh, let's start with a word of prayer, first and foremost. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, Lord, and we glorify you and we praise you and we thank you, Father, for being our great God and also our Savior, Lord, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we're so thankful and we're so grateful, Lord, that he came here and he taught us everything that we needed to know, Lord, for our life and for godliness, to know exactly what it meant and what it looks like to have a relationship with you, a real, true relationship with you, Father, from our hearts. Uh, and then he pray, paid the ultimate price, Lord, that we could never pay for ourselves, Lord, by dying on the cross for our sins, Lord, and nailing to that tree every curse, Lord, of every law that we could never live up to, Lord, and so that all of our imperfections and all of the shame of the different things of our lives that we've fallen to and guilty of, Lord, have all been taken away as far as the east is from the west. And the best part about it, Lord, is your word says that you remember them no more because it's all been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so what that also means, Lord, is that when you look at us, you see us as complete. You see us as covered in the blood of Jesus Christ so that we don't have to be judged according to our works, Father, but we're judged according to the works of your own son, Jesus Christ. And that makes us perfect in your standing, Lord. And we are so grateful for that fact, for that truth, and that flood of grace and mercy, Lord, that flows through our lives and through our hearts, Father, help us to be a type of people and a kind of people just like your son, Lord, who sought to take that out to the, wor out to the world, Father, and to share it with everybody else, Lord, that they would not see in us any worldly thing, Lord, uh, any particular affiliation or side, Lord, but they would see in us the love of Jesus Christ, the perfect acceptance that can only come from the family of God, Lord. And we are all a part of your family, Lord, those of us who have called on the name of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to act like it, Lord, more and more every day as you fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. We need your Holy Spirit to flood into our hearts and into our lives and into our minds and to give us the ability to do something that we are not capable of doing on our own, Lord. We need you. So, Father, as we gather together here today in Jesus' name and we study your word together, we pray that you would open its pages, really open its pages, Lord, not to our minds and to our intellect only, Father, but to our hearts, and that the truths and the commandments and the joy that is written in, these, in this book, Father, would be written on the tablets of our hearts and so that we would never be able to forget it and it would go with us wherever we go, into our homes, into the workplace, into the grocery store, wherever we go, Father, that your word would come with us because it's hidden in our hearts, Lord. And help us to shine the light that you've called us to shine and help us to be the salt you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, 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 amen. Well... We are in the book of Numbers, chapter 22, <clears throat> and it's one of the kind of fun, cool, crazy, strange portions of Scripture that is only appropriate that I would cover, right? Uh, <laughs> Dad was kind of this morning saying, you know, usually I try to make sure, sure I get the good parts, but this, this week Frank gets the, gets the best part uh, of Numbers, chapter 22. So we'll try to do it justice. I think you could probably preach about... 10 messages from just this one portion of Scripture in Numbers chapter 22. But just to set the stage for you, you know, and we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, God is now moving the children of Israel out of their wanderings, out of the 40 years of wanderings. Remember, he had brought them from Egypt. And, and it's for those of you who have kids or those of you who are 
try to know the Bible more. It's a great idea to understand and know the Bible as a timeline with bullet points and then fill in the blanks from there. You know, oftentimes I'll quiz my kids. I'll sit them down and I'll say, okay, what came first? Adam and Eve, the creation, the garden. Then what came? Then the fall. Then what came? Cain and Abel. Then what's the next big story? Noah's Ark. Then what? And you go through and you see this timeline, this framework that God, that God has built over the, over the years through his word. And then you fill it in with all of the doctrines and the truths and the beautiful things and promises of God's word. And it just, it makes it fill out so, so beautifully. But God had, of course, rescued the people of Israel, his nation, Israel, from slavery, from the land of Egypt with a great and mighty, as, his, as he would say to them, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Through the plagues that he brought on the nation uh, of Egypt, he brought the children of Israel out of that place through the Red Sea to Mount Sinai. There he gave them his law and he gave them his commandments and they were led by Moses from that point to the promised land. And they sent in 12 spies to spy out the land, to see what obstacles may lay in their path. And of course, they come back, 10 of the spies, with a bad report, and only Joshua and Caleb come back with a good report. They all have the same, the same report in that the land is truly just as God promised, flowing with milk and honey. All of the promises that God had said that he was going to do are indeed true. They're there, they're real, but, but, right? Am I, you ever sing in this choir? right? I want to do all the things that God's called me to do, but, right? But, oh, it's so easy. It's so easy. All the buts. <laughs> the but. Because, but you don't under, but this, but that. There's giants in the land, and there were truly giants in the land. They weren't lying when they said there were giants in the land. There really were giants in the land. The, some of, the sons of Anakin, and they said that we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and, and we're never going to be able to overcome these people. And they are overcome and overwhelmed with fear. And the fear and the unbelief clouds and covers over all the promises of God that he had given them, that he had promised them, and they can no longer see it. All they can see are the obstacles. All they can see are the ugliness. All they can see is the war. All they can see is the pain and the suffering and all the things that are telling them you can't do this. The thing that God has said belongs to you, the thing that God has said that you can accomplish, it's impossible. It's not something that you can ever do. Now listen, as a Christian, the quicker you realize that all the promises that God has made for your life are impossible, the quicker you can get yourself on the right path. Because God is the one who calls things that are not as though they were. He is the God of the impossible. He is the God of miracles. That's why he speaks through donkeys, right? He speaks through donkeys like myself so that you can say, hey, hey, why does he speak through him? I know that guy. He's an idiot, right? But that's the point. That's the point. That God always does things in such a way that the people will look and say, that's God. That's got to be God because what he says to his children of Israel all through the Old Testament, I will share my glory with no one else. Remember when we get to the book of Judges and he's dealing with Gideon. And of course, Gideon is, is called by God to fight against the Midianites who are oppressing the children of Israel. And God brings Gideon to this place where he tells him, you've got, all, you've got these, these, these 300 men that you've gathered for war to go against the Midianites. It's too many people. 
It's too many people. It starts off with a few thousand. You have too many people. And God whittles them down because he tells Gideon over and over again, Gideon, I don't want the people to be able to say, look what I've done. Look what we've accomplished. That's cool for work. That's cool for building your house or building something. But when it comes to the work of God, when it comes to the things that God is seeking to do and God is seeking to accomplish in us and through us, he shares the glory with no one. We should always be looking back and saying, look what God has done. Look what God has done. And we should not allow any of the glory to fall upon ourselves. And so God has brought them to this point in time. They don't believe. And so God says what? You're going to wander in the wilderness now until this entire generation of people who said it's impossible, it can't be done, even though God promised it, has passed away. And I'm going to give it instead to your children. It's going to go to them. The same promise that I gave to you is going to now pass to your children. And now we're getting to that point. They've been wandering in the desert for these years, and God is now bringing them towards the promised land. Last week, we read about their, their, uh, their battles with the, um, um, the Amorites and the king of Sihon and these giants that they indeed did fight, and God gave them victory. And as they're moving closer to the promised land, the closer that they get and the more that they trust in God and the bigger victories that they have because of God's power, the more that their enemies become afraid. Because they're seeing this isn't just a group of people. This is a group of people who have a God behind them that even the giants can't stand against. That even the greatest fears and the greatest obstacles and the biggest things and the most overwhelming things cannot stand against the God that they serve. And the closer that they draw, the more that their enemies' hearts are built up with fear. So that's how chapter 22 of Numbers starts. And we have this Balak, uh, the son of Zippor, uh, saw that all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was exceedingly afraid. That's the nation. So Balak is the king of Moab. And notice what it says. Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, now this company will look up everything around us as an ox looks up the grass of the field. And so what they do is they call on this prophet, this soothsayer whose name is Balaam. And it's the first time that we hear about Balaam, but it's interesting because Balaam is going to be spoken of not in these next, just in these next few chapters of, uh, of Numbers, but he's going to be mentioned again in Joshua, and he's going to be mentioned again in the prophets, and he's going to be mentioned again in the New Testament because of what Balaam represents, the kind of person that Balaam represents. <clears throat> and so Balak sends his emissaries to Balaam, to tell him, look, here's what we want you to do. We know that you're one who believes in God. We know that you're one who God speaks to on occasion. And so we want you to come here and curse these people. We want you to come and we want you to curse these people so that we can have victory over them. And here's what God says. In Numbers chapter 22 and verse 12, Numbers chapter 22 and verse 12, and God said to Balaam, you shall not Go with them, you shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam begins by trying to do the right thing. It says, he rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose, went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. 
And Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than the first. And they said to Balaam, they came to Balaam and said, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, please let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will certainly honor you greatly. I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come, curse this people for me. And Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord. Notice he says, The Lord my God to do less or more. Now, therefore, please you also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. First mistake. First mistake. Because in verse 12, what did God say? You shall not go. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because the people of the world never, ever, ever will understand the struggle that you go through in your heart in your relationship with God. You understand that? They will never understand I remember when I got sick of being a sprinkler fitter, I think it was like in the third week, <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> I was a few years into the trade, and I, I hate this. I hate this trade. You know what I mean? Life was supposed to be easy for me. It was just supposed to all work out. I'm not supposed to have to crawl through attics and in, and in cellars and in holes in the ground and have to work hard. And, and, and I just never thought it would be like that. And certainly and surely the Lord has something higher and loftier for me, right? And so I tried the, my very, very best to get out of the stupid sprinkler fitter trade, right? And so I thought insurance, because everyone always told me you would be a great salesman. You would be a great salesman. You're so full of it. I mean, whoo, you would be amazing as a salesman. <laughs> Andy's not here. <laughs> you would be perfect, right? And I thought, well, that sounds easier, right, than hucking pipe and twisting pipe and going up in attics and all this stuff. So I went and I got my license to sell insurance, and <clears throat> I was hired, and everything was looking beautiful, and everything was... And the Lord came to me, and I don't remember if it was in a dream. I don't remember if it was at night. I feel like it was more just a feeling that I had. You ever have this? And I had zero peace. I'm like, maybe you don't understand, Lord. I hate this. Look at the people. I don't like any of those people. I want to be over here doing this thing. And I couldn't sleep. I had no peace about it, and I knew, I knew exactly what God was saying to me without an audible voice. I knew exactly what God was saying to me. I have you right where I want you, and it is not for you to decide what you're going to do or what you want to do. It is for you, Chubbs. He calls me that. Can you believe that? <laughs> It's for you to do what I have called you to do, to be where I've called you to be. That's where your peace is going to be, son. That's where you're going to find joy in my will, not in yours. So I go back to the office, <laughs> and I go to the, the manager at the, at the insurance office and all this stuff, and I walk in and I go, <clears throat> so here's the deal. The Lord told me, I can't do this job. And he looked at me like I had 13 heads. You understand? He was horrified. I almost hired a madman. I almost hired a psycho, right? He's seeing things. He's hearing things. He said, what? I said, God doesn't want me to do this. God wants me to be a sprinkler fitter. A sprinkler fitter. 
counterfeiter? Can you believe it? He's like, no, I can't believe it. He goes, wait a minute. I got an idea. There's another guy here who's a Christian. He's, a, he's an idiot like you. I'll have him talk to you. So he went and got this other idiot, right? And the guy said, come here. Let, let me holler at you for a minute. Come on. Let me tell you what the Lord's will really is. Come here. Come here. Come here. And we go out. And, and I knew it was going down, right? And so we went out into a stairwell. And he was like, Frank, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I said, and I can't remember what the kid's name was. He was a young guy. And I said, I said look at me. Listen to me. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Look at me. The Lord told me I can't do this. The Lord told me I can't go back. <laughs> and he looked at me and he went, I know. Okay. I get it. And that was the end of it. That was the end of it. I've never really even told this story before. And I went back to my wife and I said, well, told her everything that had happened. And she said, You are an idiot. No. <laughs> She said, the Lord knows what he wants. The Lord knows what he wants. And God had me exactly where he wanted me to be. But I praise God, because I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, right? I praise God that when I had that feeling that there's no peace here in this thing, I knew God is moving me back in a different direction. God is telling me no. And I listened to him. There's been plenty of times that I haven't listened to him and had all sorts of horrible results, okay? So I'm not trying to paint myself to be in some great man of God. But here's what I can promise you with my life experience. If you listen for the voice of God, you'll hear it. And if you obey the voice of God, you will always, always, always find yourself in a better place. Maybe not physically. See, therein lies the rub. That's the jagged little pill, Christian. Because God's will for your life and the place for you that God has in mind may be the antithesis of what you think you want. That's why King David says, search me, Lord, search me, and know my heart. What is he saying there? I don't know my heart. I don't even know what I want. You see, we have in a world today people running to and fro, chasing after this thing and chasing after that thing. When you see out, when all what we see out there in the world today, all of the unrest, all of the injustice, all of the anger, this is a world, this is a world running to and fro, trying to find something of meaning in their life and clinging to something in their life. And in Jesus Christ, if we are obedient to his voice, we have a brotherhood and a sisterhood. We have a family that can never, ever, ever be broken apart. You know why? You know why? Because it's not about my desires and my wills and my wishes. Because you know what's going to happen? You put me and you on a desert island for long enough, my desires and my wills and my wishes are going to go against your desires and your wills and your wishes. Now we have a conflict. How do we solve this conflict? We're people. We can work this out. <laughs> it, we never work it out. But in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, there is none of that. There is none of that. That's why he says there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no slave or free, there's no male or female. You're one in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, we find our way.
And in Christ Jesus, we find our reason. God had told Balak, or excuse me, Balaam, no. Bless you. <clears throat> but here's what it says in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15, and in Jude chapter 1, verses 4 and 11. And specifically, Peter and Jude are both talking about false teachers and false prophets. And here's what Peter says. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Notice it doesn't say he loves unrighteousness. He loved unrighteousness. He loved the wages of unrighteousness. The promise of all that money and all that stuff that Balak promised him superseded the voice of God in his heart. Now, Balaam said the right words, didn't he? I can't go beyond what God says. I can't go beyond what God says. I can't do it. But we see him making these small, little, tiny concessions, don't we? First of all, when God says, you're not to go, you're not going, that's the end of it, he didn't go to them and say, listen to me very carefully. These people are blessed by God. There's no curse you can bring against them. There's nothing that can be done. Get off my property and don't come back. What he said was, dad won't let me go. I'd like to go. God won't let me. Right? Then, when they send the second emissary, well, let me try again. Let me try. Let me go to God and let me ask God again. Let me ask him again. You know, when you're raising little kids, how many times will they ask you the same thing? 165 trillion. That's the actual number. 165 trillion until you want to dive into a wood chipper. Right? 165 trillion. And I just tell my kids, listen to me, listen to me very carefully. I already, I already told you no. No, no, I already told you no. Now, if you don't go do what I said, I'm going to burn your things, right? <laughs> but it's the nature. But I want it, but I, that is a child. Look, how, look at your precious child, right? Your precious little child. <laughs> you know where I'm going, don't you? Already exuding their sinful little nature, their willful little nature, all wrapped up in a cute little thing, little pop, look at you. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. It ain't cute when they're 20. They're not cute when they're 20. That's why we're teaching them and training them. I'm teaching you to obey the voice of God because you guys have been through this in your life. You know God said no. Maybe not, maybe, not, maybe not a powerful feeling, maybe not an audible voice, maybe just in his word. You know what the word said. Let me tell you something. You don't need to wait for the voice of God. If it's written in this book, that's what it says. Well, I think we need to cross-reference <laughs> and look in the concordance. Maybe there's something there. No, 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 no. If God's word said it, that's it. And that's all you ever need to know. And God has what's best in his mind for you. He has your best interest at heart, always. The things that God has said, thou shalt not, or thou shalt, is not to hold you back. It's not to keep you from, from experiencing joy or pleasure or a fullness of life. It's to put you on the right path so that, have you ever hear the phrase, uh, dirty hands, clean money? You ever hear that phrase? Dirty hands, clean money. 
You know what I'm saying? And you hear about all of the efforts and the racketeering and all these people who are chasing after and into this scam and into this scam and into this scam. And I wonder, how can you sleep at night? I would so much rather, every, every night when I lay my head on my pillow, every dime, all the dime that I have, <laughs> the Lord blessed me with, it came through the work of the fruit of the labor of my hands that God called me to do, specifically, and I have complete and total peace in that and rest in that, and probably most of you do too. All of the chasing, all of the running, it doesn't bring peace. You can never get what you're looking for through the fulfillment of the lust of your flesh. It's never, ever, ever going to fill your heart. And Balaam was chasing hard after it. Stay one more night. Let me go back to God. Let me ask him again. And it's interesting, the conversation. God, in verse 20, God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. Interesting. But only the word which I speak to you that you shall do. Now, verse 21 doesn't say the men came to call in the morning. It just simply says Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. It doesn't say that they came to call. It just says he got up and went. Hey, a wink's as good as a nod, God. Got it, got it, got it. God said it was cool. Is that what he said? No, God, I swear, God said it was cool. Did he say, if they call on you, then you can go, but don't say it beyond what I tell you? Or did he say, just get up in the morning and go saddle your donkey? Huh? What? I didn't hear the question. And now we find ourselves heading back to Moab. Verse 22. Then God's anger was aroused because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding... Now, before we get to that point, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, this is a spoiler... He couldn't see the angel of the Lord. The word of God is saying the angel of the Lord was standing there with a sword drawn. But it's the angel of the Lord, and so Balaam couldn't see him. Watch what happens. Verse 23, now the donkey <laughs> saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Now, you know you're in a bad way when donkeys see things you can't. <laughs> Christian, you ever get rebuked by an unbeliever? And maybe they didn't even know they were rebuking you, and you're just sitting there going, right? Because you were just rebuked. You know they're an unrighteous person. They're a person that doesn't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And they go, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And God's going, oh, he's working the heart like he's kneading dough. And you're going, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Balaam couldn't see the angel of the Lord. He's supposed to be a prophet. He's supposed to be a man of God. He couldn't see the angel of the Lord, sworn drawn, but his donkey did. The donkey turns to the right and goes beside and goes out of the way and into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. Why did the angel choose that specific portion, that specific place to stand? I'm gonna, it's going to tell you. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. First he screamed. 
Then he struck her again. Now he's experiencing physical pain. Ah, the donkey crushed his... I can hear Shrek's voice, donkey! <laughs> this donkey! And, he, and, he, and he's enraged with the donkey. Now, as Balaam... Now, now, stop right for a minute. Just stop and pause and, 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 and focus in on my, my face and my voice and my eyes for a minute. Once Balaam started down the road of the flesh and not listening to the voice of God, he could only go deeper and deeper and deeper into the flesh. And even though God was specifically trying to warn Balaam and show Balaam, Balaam only got angrier and angrier and dove deeper into the flesh and deeper into the flesh. So watch what happens. Um, Sorry. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn, either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Now he's beaten her with his staff. Then the Lord opened (laughs) the mouth of the donkey. And she said to Balaam, and this is how I see it. What are you doing? (laughs) With the hooves, right? (laughs) What have I ever done to you? (laughs) Can you see it? What did this look like? You understand what has to happen for a donkey's mouth and tongue and teeth and vocal cords and all of that stuff that's designed just to go, (laughs) to stand up and go, Balaam, what are we doing, bud? Where are we going with this? I don't understand, right? Balaam's so mad, he answers. Okay, now, you see me with a donkey or a dog or a cat or a chicken or anything, and the thing stands up and starts talking to me, you're only going to see one thing, and that's me running in the other direction. (laughs) Balaam's so mad, he's so deep in the flesh. Now, see, God already tried to show him once. He tried to show him twice. He tried to show him three times. And Balaam only dives deeper and deeper and deeper into the flesh. Now, I see this as God loves Balaam. God must really care for Balaam. Why didn't just have the angel of the Lord take his head off at this point, right? He opens the mouth of the donkey. Now, listen, I don't know what the donkey is in your life. But here's my prayer for you and for me. That just the donkey going off the path will wake me up. And then if that doesn't work, my foot or my heart or some part of my life being crushed against the rocks. I was Tozier or Finney that said this, I kiss the wave that crashes me against the rock. That trouble, that hardship, that pain, that suffering, that thing, that wall, that, that, that stronghold that picks you up and throws you into the rock that is Jesus Christ. Kiss the wave. And so the pain comes for Balaam, and he won't hear the voice of God. 
And finally, he's brought to a place where there's no place the donkey can go. There's no wall to bash his foot against. And so she comes to an all stop. Balaam's life, his journey just completely stops. It all shuts down. What's happening here? What's going on here? You ever say this in your life? What in the world is going on? I don't even know what to think anymore. Your donkey's trying to show you something. Or rather, God is trying to show you something through your donkey. Balaam is in the flesh. Balaam is only seeing money signs. He's only concerned with gratifying the lust of the flesh. And so he begins to beat the donkey. God opens the mouth of the donkey. I love this part. The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam answers. He said to the donkey, because you have abused me. (laughs) He's the one hitting the donkey. Because you have abused me. Look where he's going now. Now he's blaming the donkey. It's the donkey's fault. I wish there were a sword in my hand for now I would kill you. Wow. Now, here's where it really gets bad in Balaam's life. Now he's going to lose an argument to a donkey. And so the donkey said to Balaam, let me ask you a question. Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? Balaam goes, no. (laughs) This is the conversation that's happening. What were his servants thinking? Did they hear the donkey, or did they just see Balaam talking to the donkey? No, you do. Yeah, you. Uh. The donkey asked him a question: Have I ever done this before, Balaam? Has this ever happened to you before? Have I ever disobeyed you before? Balaam says, "No." Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. Do you know why? Because when you see the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn, you fall on your face. That's just how that goes. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? I like that. I like that. The angel of the Lord is concerned about this donkey. You know what I'm You guys know I'm not like the biggest animal guy in the world. You know what I'm saying? I make jokes. Hey, if it really gets bad, I'm going to come and cook and eat your dog. You know, things like that. I'm joking. It's all jokes, by the way, mostly. But then God cares about all of his creation. I love this. I love this, that God is concerned with the donkey. Why are you being a jerk to your donkey? I love this. Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you. Notice this. And God forbid I ever hear this in my heart. Because your way is perverse before me. Man, oh man, oh man. And if that's not a wake-up call, your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. And if she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have killed you by now and let her live. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but only the word. Notice this point. 
but only the word that who? I speak to you that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Now turn with me in your Bibles. Oh. To Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. This is right before the battle of Jericho, okay? When the walls came a tumbling down. Okay. Joshua 5, 13 to 15. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold... Notice, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and notice this, worshipped. Now, what happens when the men of God in the Bible fell down before an angel to worship? And what does the angel say? Don't do that. I am a servant like you. But watch what happens here. This angel says this. Um, Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. You remember hearing that before in the Bible? Moses, the burning bush. Remember? Has anyone here not seen the Ten Commandments of Charlton Heston yet? I rebuke you in the name of the Lord if you have not seen it. Moses, and it's all King James, take off thy sandals from off thy feet for the place in which thou standest is holy God. I love that part. I love that part. And Moses is in the presence of God, and God has appeared to him through the burning bush. And just being in the presence of God, and God says, take off your sandals, the place where you're standing, the place where I'm meeting you, Moses, is holy ground. And this angel says the same thing to Joshua. And now backing back up to Numbers chapter 22, the angel of the Lord in verse 35 says to Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you you shall speak. Now there's several times in the Old Testament when we see this, this word, the angel of the Lord, and it's all capitalized there. And what most, uh, scholars, theologians believe is that this is actually a pre-incarnate visitation by Jesus Christ himself. He's a commander of the Lord's army. Anytime that you see an angel, it's always like the angel of the Lord. The same thing happens with Samson's mother and father. When the angel of the Lord appears and they offer sacrifices before this angel and the angel receives worship, that ain't just an angel. That ain't just an angel. That is, in all probability, in all likelihood, a pre-incarnate visitation by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amazing. And it's interesting to me when I look at this picture and just seeing from the angel of the Lord, if this is Jesus Christ pre-incarnate in his glory, standing in the way with his sword drawn, and here comes Balaam on his little donkey. Sorry, I I love Jesus. I get all emotional. (laughs) Sorry. You know what I mean? Out there in the world, it's like I do. But Jesus just chokes me up every time. And I just wonder if this is Jesus and he sees this man coming to him riding on this donkey, if he's thinking, because he knows all things, if he's thinking, huh, 1,500, 1,600 years into the future, when he's going to become riding on a donkey, right, into Jerusalem, 
to do the will of the Father. And all the people around him, 100%, just like Balaam, in the flesh, consumed with their own desires, consumed with all of the things that they think the Messiah ought to be. And one day saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And later on the same week, crucify him. Crucify him. He wondered. And I love it that the angel of the Lord stands up for that little donkey. What you don't know, Balaam, is that if this donkey would have crossed by my path, I would have killed you. And I would have let her live. Your way is perverse before me. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Now, we're going to stop there, but... As we go on, Balaam takes a slow and steady slide towards perdition. He takes a slow and steady slide from being a prophet of God, of God, of being a voice for God, to being accursed. And it's going to be an amazing, amazing couple of weeks as we study that slide that Balaam took. How did he get there? How could he go from being a prophet of God? God speaks to this man. He's not a, he's not a Jew. He's not of the nation of Israel. He hasn't been given the law, and yet he knows God, and God speaks to him. And somehow that man goes from that to being cut off from the things of God. And even in the New Testament, Balaam is condemned. You know, you read about Lot, and the Bible calls Lot righteous. And you read Lot's, about Lot's uh, life, and you're like, really? This guy's called righteous? But where Lot's heart was and where Balaam's heart is, two different things. This is what God can't deal with, is a heart divided. Remember, he says to the church in Laodicea, you're lukewarm. I wish you were hot or I wish you were cold. I wish you rejected my word or I wish you were on fire for my word. Because you're lukewarm, because you're neither here nor there, because you're always seeking to straddle the fence, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. God forbid. God forbid that that should ever be me or any of you. God, don't ever, ever let us be lukewarm. Don't ever let us allow the things of this world to seduce us to sliding away from God, that slow slide away from God until we find ourselves completely outside of the camp, completely outside of the things of God. Man, that's a scary notion to me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you, uh, Lord God, for your word, and we ask and pray, Father, that you would uh, just encourage our hearts and stir up our hearts, Father, into a closer and deeper walk with you and uh, Lord, to not allow the things of this world, uh, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, uh, to allow us, Lord, to slide away from you, Father, until we find ourselves in a place where we don't know where you are. Lord, we ask and pray that you would uh, always be allowing our hearts to feel the conviction of your Holy Spirit, that you would always be putting us into check, Lord, bringing us back onto the path, bringing us back onto uh, the things you've called us to do, the places you've called us to be, Lord, knowing that our, our true fulfillment in this life is found in our service and in our obedience to you, Father. Uh, help us to be uh, children that live that life, Lord, and, and that, that shine that light for others to see as well, Lord. Help us to be examples 
not to be the, the hypocrite Christians that people in the world talk about, the reason that they don't believe. Hypocrite Christians. Help us to be full of the love of Jesus Christ, Lord. Help us to be full of the truth as well, Lord, never backing away from what your word says because of a stand that the world is taking, but to stand in the way uh, of the opposition to the things of you, Father, and yet with all love and understanding and compassion in our hearts, telling the people that God loves you. Father, uh, bless each one of my brothers and sisters, I pray, Lord, as they go from this place back to their homes, Lord, and into the world this week, to their jobs, to uh, with their, out with their friends, their family, whatever they do, wherever they go, Father, I pray that you bless them, and that you'd be with them and watch over them, Lord, and that you would guide them, and that you would protect them, Lord, and that you would be drawing them closer to you every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.